We've all heard of stories of how some parents can harbor unrealistically high expectations. To anyone who's ever experienced full-time studies while juggling extra tuition classes, piano or violin lessons, and a flurry of extracurricular activities, your childhood likely felt like a never-ending whirlwind. And amidst the hustle, you may have, on occasion, questioned if it was all worthwhile, or at times, if it was all just downright redundant. If you've ever wondered why some Asian parents are so hard on their children, much of it can be traced back to the profound influence of Confucianism. Confucius was a Chinese philosopher and teacher who lived in a time of great social and political turmoil. When China was divided into many warring states, deeply concerned about moral decay, social disorder, and the political corruption of his era, he sought to address these issues through education. In his teachings, he emphasizes the value of education and the role of the family in shaping an individual's character. This philosophy has cultivated a tradition where academic achievement is seen as a means to honor one's family and ancestors. Confucianism has had a lasting impact on Chinese culture and continues to influence Chinese society to this day. As a result, many Asian parents often hold their children to high educational standards, expecting them to excel academically as a way of demonstrating respect for the family name and upholding the family's honor. Over the years, the once pervasive practice of setting exceptionally high standards by Asian parents. Has undergone a subtle transformation, hinting at a move toward a more balanced approach to life. Nevertheless, there are still cases where these expectations endure, much like they did in past generations. And sometimes, these towering expectations, when pushed to the limits, have been known to result in unforeseen circumstances. In March 2013. A 29-year-old man named Henry Chao Hoi Leong asked his parents to come over and assist him in tidying up his new home, which he was sharing with his friend Angus Zi Chunkei. But as Henry's parents entered the building, it marked the beginning of a harrowing mystery that would grip Hong Kong. Mr. and Mrs. Chao were never seen alive again after that day, until the police opened Henry's refrigerator. And found a collection of meticulously arranged lunch boxes with cooked human flesh inside. You're listening to Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast, brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by OneUp Media. This episode contains scenes of graphic imagery and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Born on June seventh, nineteen eighty-three, Henry was the second child to Glory Chao Wingki and Moon Siu Yuetyi. The family of four resided in a modest apartment in Hong Kong's western suburb of Saiying Pan. During his formative years, Henry's childhood remained relatively uneventful. Yet it was evident that he did receive deep affection and unwavering support from his parents. They diligently financed his private tutoring sessions and piano lessons. However, to Henry, it may seem that these endeavors were not necessarily his choice, 
but rather a reflection of his parents' aspirations. From a tender age, Henry was often described as living in a world of his own. By the time he reached secondary school, his social circle dwindled to the point where he had few, if any, friends. This social isolation coincided with a decline in his academic performance, and understandably, his parents were extremely disheartened, prompting them to intervene. In an earnest attempt to salvage their son's education, Henry was sent to Canberra, Australia, to study mathematics. Perhaps his parents believed that a change of scenery and the prospect of new friendships overseas would provide the environment needed for him to thrive. But unfortunately, Henry's time in Australia was marked by persistent bullying and discrimination, which began to take a heavy toll on his mental well-being. This, coupled with his continued academic struggles, ultimately led to his decision to drop out of school in 2003. And shortly thereafter, Henry returned to Hong Kong. As Henry journeyed back home, one could only imagine the weight of his thoughts, sensing the immense pressure not to disappoint his parents. It was a journey laden with unspoken concerns. His parents had invested their hard-earned money in his overseas education, and the fear of what might happen if he were to fall short of their expectations seemed to get to him. Upon his arrival, Henry lied to his parents that he had successfully completed his studies. But it didn't take long for his parents to discover the truth. Understandably, his parents were incredibly disappointed and even angered, which prompted them to try again once more to steer him back toward education. Henry was quickly enrolled in a local university, but this endeavor, like previous attempts, ended in failure. These repeated setbacks sent Henry further into a state of withdrawal, and he began to find solace in the world of online gaming. According to reports, delving into online gaming became Henry's sole refuge, the only place where he found some semblance of validation. Within this virtual world, he clung to a small, tight-knit circle of friends. However, what made this all the more disconcerting was that Henry and his gaming community would often discuss deeply disturbing topics. Henry frequently confided in his friends that he was a potential psychopath, and what added to the disturbing nature of his online presence was his habit of using an image of Adolf Hitler for his profile pictures on a variety of social media platforms. Records state that Henry has had girlfriends before in the past, but every relationship had failed, as he was described to have a lack of compassion or care. In one of these relationships, Henry's girlfriend became pregnant, and he insisted on her having an abortion. But she refused, and carried on with the pregnancy. It was clear that Henry's true intentions lay in prioritizing his desires over accepting the responsibilities of fatherhood. And after this, he severed all ties with the woman and continued with his own life. By the early 2000s, Henry had already experienced a series of job changes, with a turbulent work history marked by frequent terminations due to his subpar performance or impulsive decisions to quit when the job no longer appealed to him. However, it was during one of these jobs that he crossed paths with a friend, Angus Zi Chun Kei. (laughs) 
Angus was described by friends as a man with a pure soul and a good heart. Compared to Henry's IQ of 126, Angus's IQ was only at 84, and the average human IQ is between 85 to 115. This vast difference in intelligence levels rendered Angus more easily influenced and highly susceptible to manipulation. Friends would often comment that Angus was easily manipulated and would happily do what others wanted in exchange for friendship and good food. Records state that Angus did get married once, but immediately after the wedding, his spouse admitted that she had only done so in order to secure a Hong Kong citizenship. Subsequently, Angus relocated to New Zealand, where he became involved with another woman romantically. Unfortunately, she financially drained him before abruptly ending their relationship, leaving Angus in a state of heartbreak and emotional turmoil. After his return to Hong Kong in 2010, Angus made three suicide attempts over the next few years. It was a dire situation that might have culminated in tragedy had it not been for his sister, who became his saviour during that period. But the damage had been done. Angus suffered permanent brain damage as a consequence of his actions, which led to a slowdown of information processing and significant memory impairment. During the end of 2012, Henry found himself unemployed and living off his parents. Paradoxically, despite his financial circumstances, he maintained a lavish lifestyle, frequently dining at upscale restaurants and indulging in luxury attire. Furthermore, Henry's demeanor earned him a reputation for being somewhat elitist and extremely pretentious. He often looked down upon and scoffed at other people of lower social economic status. Growing increasingly concerned about their son's lifestyle, Henry's parents urged him to find a job so he could support himself. Henry, however, did not take kindly to their advice and instead pushed back at their suggestions, leading to mounting tension within the Chow family, which began to strain their relationship. In February of 2013, a significant dispute erupted between Henry and his parents when he proposed the idea of selling their house and dividing the proceeds three ways, a share for Henry, another for his brother, and the remainder for his parents. Understandably, his parents rejected the proposal as they already had retirement plans that did not involve selling their home. Until this point, Henry's parents had been unwavering in their support generously providing him with financial assistance and fulfilling his requests to the best of their ability. Their love for him was undeniable, but Henry's unexpected proposition marked a turning point in their relationship. Fueled by a mix of anger, disappointment, and a growing frustration with his behavior, his parents made the decision to kick him out of their home. In response, Henry stormed out of the house and cut all contact with his family. Although records are sparse regarding his activities during this period, it is evident that this was a phase where he no longer had the financial backing of his parents. Furthermore, he was faced with significant debt due to a series of poor investments. With no financial resources, lacking a clear direction, and a deep-seated resentment towards his parents, 
no one really knew what Henry's intentions were. However, it would soon become clear that his intentions were of a sinister nature. A few weeks later, the Hong Kong police were alerted to a missing persons report, and the individuals listed as missing were none other than Henry's parents, Glory Chow and Moon Siu. It's the 1st of March, 2013, in an apartment at Tai Kok Sui, Hong Kong. At the time, it was a lower-income, working-class neighbourhood, a place where Henry knew that his parents had no connection to, and a place that Henry had rented himself. The doorbell echoed relentlessly through the cramped corridor. His hands trembled, but his determination was unwavering. It was a testament to the gravity of what he was about to do. Looking through the peephole in the door, the figures of his parents, Glory and Moon, came into focus. They were here to help Henry move in with his new roommate, Angus, completely unaware of the profound danger that awaited them. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Henry said, his voice revealing a subtle quiver though he made a concerted effort to suppress his nervousness, not wanting to raise any suspicions in his parents. As Glory and Moon entered the dimly lit living room, they looked around and noticed a mess of boxes lying on the floor. Then, all of a sudden, a hand abruptly launched out from behind, swiftly covering Moon's mouth. She let out a faint scream as she felt a metallic object slice against the delicate skin of her throat. She collapsed and blood was pouring out from the wound. Simultaneously, Henry sprang into action, launching a ferocious assault on his father, whipping out a knife and stabbing him in the back of his neck. Surprisingly, Glory mustered the strength to put up a struggle despite getting stabbed in the neck. But immediately, Angus grabbed the knife once again and with a swift, resolute movement, ruthlessly slashed through his throat. The room echoed with the harrowing sounds of this life-and-death struggle. Records state that Angus had accidentally stabbed Henry in the thigh and cut his fingers. And now with both parents lying dead on the floor, he left to go to the hospital where he received 11 stitches for his injuries. With Henry gone from the premises, Angus found himself wondering what to do with the two dead bodies. Leaving them to decompose within the house was not an option, as the unmistakable odour would eventually draw unwanted attention from the authorities. His initial plan involved cutting them into pieces and concealing the parts within a mixture of sand and cement forming them into bricks that would eventually become part of the wall separating the kitchen from the living room. However, this proved to be an arduous task and handmade bricks would have surely aroused suspicion if the police ever entered the home. Angus recognised the need to temporarily preserve the bodies until Henry's return so that he could advise him on what to do next. Without delay, he dragged the bodies to a room within the apartment, dismembered them and meticulously treated the severed parts with salt to facilitate preservation. These preserved remains were then carefully placed into airtight containers. 
Hours passed, and upon Henry's return to the residence, the two exchanged silent glances. They knew that they had to dispose of the bodies in a manner that would leave no trace leading back to them. So as they thought long and hard, they finally settled on an idea. Their eyes shifted from the several knives in the room to the microwave, and finally to a bottle of barbecue sauce. That's coming up in the next episode. Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast, is brought to you by MediaCorp and OneUp Media. This episode was produced and written by Guangjin, edited by Alex, narrated by Jason, audio experience by Ethan Sam, additional engineering by Ashley from OneUp Media. Special thanks to executive producer Danny Cordy from MediaCorp. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one.